a Star Trek from the holodeck listeners. If you want to support our show, help keep us on the air, head over to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash Digital, and pledge $5 or more a month. And when you do, you gain access to an entire library of Star Trek breakdowns from discussions on Q to the Borg to Seven of Nine and the Maquis. We do it all. And when I say hundreds of hours, I'm not exaggerating. So head over to patreon.com slash Digital and pledge. Help us and help yourself. Warning, Star Trek from the holodeck contains adult language and discussions. If you're easily offended, do not continue to listen. Lock it alone! Fire! Commander Klingon vessel. We are energizing transport of him. Now. Welcome, everyone, to Star Trek from the Holodeck, the Lower Decks edition. You are listening to us courtesy of Rain Man Digital. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and Spotify. Just search Star Trek from the Holodeck. I am Michael Flores, your host, and in the studio with me, within the Holodeck, trying to avoid getting killed by Badgie, is David. Hello, David. Hey, Mike. Why does, why does Badgie look like a half-naked T'Pol? Hey, um, D- David, why is Badgie uh, humping your ass right now? <laughs> is, he gonna, is he trying to wear you? What by, is he doing? He's trying to wear <laughs> you by going inside. He wants you to wear him. He wants to teach me something. <laughs> he, he has a lesson to teach you, Dave. Go ahead. Me. Grab your ankles. <laughs> Wow. Dude, this honestly, this is actually one of my favorite characters. I'll simmer down. No, yeah, I agree. Badgie? Oh, yeah. Badgie's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So today we're going to be discussing and breaking down Lower Decks, episode six of season one, titled Terminal Provocation, directed by Bob Suarez and written by John Cochran. The synopsis, the lovable but awkward Ensign Fletcher makes work difficult for Mariner and Boilmer. Rutherford introduces Tendi to a holodeck training program that he created. We're on a roll here, Dave. Dude, this is amazing. Lower Decks just keeps getting better and better with every single episode. That's that progression that in the last episode I was afraid of. Like, mm-hmm. I'm waiting for the dip to fall. I don't want to be hurt again, Dave. Yeah. I, you know, you know, like when you go through a bad breakup and. You just you're not ready for that next relationship because you're cautious. You're like, I just I just can't be hurt again. I can't go through that. <laughs> That's how I feel because I'm starting to really like lower decks. Yes. And now way. I'm nervous. <laughs> <Now> you're nervous. <laughs> Dude, we're so fucked up. We have so much Star Trek baggage. Oh, please yeah. don't hurt me, Kurtzman. Don't please, hurt me, please. please don't hurt me, Kurtzman. <laughs> but it's so true though, because yeah. like I mean, we're uh, when you come off of a really low and then, like, let's let's be honest. Lower Decks did not get off on the good foot. No? In the very beginning. Really? It didn't? No. <laughs> but, you know, three episodes after the last three episodes, they have a huge uptick. Without a doubt. 
in in their story in their story and their writing their comedy delivery is on par dude i mean this one it's a toss up for me like or trying to actually figure out where the comedy timing was the best this episode mm. or the last episode yeah cuz i blew i blew the writing team hard for last episode because their their comedy was their comedy writing was just spot on yeah it wasn't like groundbreaking by any means but their timing and the delivery was just really well done i don't think any of us want or expect groundbreaking you know trek here no. we just want to have a good time i'm not trying to hold lower decks to some unrealistic expectations you know i i will do that with shows like picard and discovery season three because those are our flagship shows but lower decks all i wanted was a good time that feels like trek i want the writers all i wanted was for the writers to show their respect and love for star trek and their understanding and now we have three episodes in a row where i feel like they found their groove it's far from perfect but the last three episodes have been really fun well especially this particular episode because you see that they understand trek Mm -hmm. it's something that me and you have been talking about about trek humor right and only hardcore trek fans would understand the humor but in this one they were able to make the trek humor blend well so that everyone could get the joke right and if you were a Star Trek fan, you get that just like that extra push because you get it, uh, uh, you get an understanding of it yeah. more. Right. And, well, you can't write a show for just Star Trek fans because what's going to happen is you're not going to be able to bring in any new audiences. And that's obviously one of the biggest goals for the Kurtzman era of Star Trek. In order for a franchise to survive, you got to bring in new demos. And that's why they are catering most of their shows to younger, uh, newer audiences, because the way they look at it is we're a dying demo. Yes. You know, we're 40 plus 35 plus and we're not going to matter. And we technically don't matter now for most when it comes to most TV, uh, movie, radio, whatever you want to call sponsorships and demographics for advertisers. We're just not. It's the 16 through 24. That's the prime demo. And that's, for the most part, you're always going to get shows that write for that demo. So they're going to have to write shows that, yes, you got to show your respect and your love. But for the most part, they got to make sure the show also is understood by those people who may not have 40 years of Trek, or I should say 50 years plus of Trek trapped in their brain. Exactly. So, and I will agree, Badgie is legit. Badgie is legit. Badgie was, those scenes with Badgie were hilarious <laughs> yeah very much on par with various arc i would say with various other archetypes within mike mcmahon's other work it's very yes. much solar opposites very much rick and morty these are the types of things that we've been waiting for when you hear mike mcmahon from rick and morty fame or mike mcmahon from solar opposites you think things like badgie yes you you think a lot about things, or I should say things that come to mind are, are like moments that we saw in uh, two episodes ago with the ascending. Yes. This is more of that. And it was one of my favorite things so far, the whole badgie aspect of, I would say so far for the first season of lower decks. Well, dude, it, it makes fun of one of the things that I always, I always loved about star Trek I guess you could say mythos mm-hmm. is the whole idea of the holodeck. Oh yeah. Where 
they could create any character they ever want. It's kind of like what Rutherford said. I could, uh, it could be Cyrano de Bergerac, Einstein, all these Shakespeare, all these characters. And then it made me remember that, yeah, in TNG, what is the one thing they kept doing is they kept dealing with the holodeck and all of a sudden the AI of the holodeck would go awry. Right. And Badgie was just the stereotypical thing, but they ramped that, but Mike McMahon ramped him up. Like, when he started was, going it was, crazy, it was a heightened cartoon version of things we've seen before. Exactly. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God, it was so funny when he started. He basically, essentially, it started very innocently enough with, oh, it started innocently enough with him being like a joke about the old Microsoft Clippy. Right. Uh, character. Mm-hmm. And suddenly you get to like, he starts looking and says, hey, can I teach you a lesson? Yeah. Clippy never worked either. <laughs> yeah, Fuck that exactly. Guy. Fucking hated that thing. <laughs> I'm like, was, how do I get rid of you? How do I get Please rid of you? Please go away. And, and I felt so sorry for Rutherford when it comes out that he, the only reason he designed Badgie was to impress uh, uh, Tindy. Tindy. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, that explains why this this program is all messed up. Yeah. So it does work in terms of Star Trek as well, because you get that moment where they get to play into the numerous holodeck malfunctions. We yes. malfunctions we've seen in Star Trek. I mean, just to mention a couple of them, uh, TNG's most famous holodeck malfunction is probably the episode elementary dear data, which you and I had already referenced a couple episodes ago Yeah, uh, when they had brought up Moriarty. Uh, then we also have one that I really enjoyed from Star Trek Voyager where Picardo's doctor becomes an evil murderer. Oh, yeah, I remember that one. That one was a good one. Yeah, vicious. I mean, fuck, dude, that's when I knew Robert Picardo was a good actor because that guy plays such a. He's very dynamic. Yes, that guy is so multidimensional when it comes to his performances. And that that scene always has stuck or that episode has always stuck with me because he played such a convincing, horrible person. Well, that was the beautiful thing about like the, the the potential of these holographic characters that TNG came up with. Mm-hmm. They can do whatever they want with them. Right. And when Robert Picardo took over, it it was an ability to actually show how good of an actor a person can play like that. That's why me and you, me and you, the one thing that was always a positive in in our Picard reviews was the holodeck the, the, or the hologram scenes getting a chance to see, uh, I think it's a uh, Rico. Is it the, the captain of, uh, hmm? the, the captain of the ship that had all the holograms. I can't remember his I, name. I, dude, I, <laughs> you, you forgot him now. I blocked out that you show. You blocked out at that yeah. show. But David, if you bring up Picard one more time, but it's a positive thing of Picard. It's a positive but thing. But the memory, dude, it's like it's like being raped, okay? <laughs> it's like being raped and you just want to forget it happened. You just, you just want, want to move on with your life. You've your gone life. through therapy. And then there's that one person that says, hey, remember when you were raped? <laughs> like, stop, stop it. it. I don't want to remember it. But that uh, when you get the chance to actually see characters and <laughs> actors. You try like to that. segue from that. But, <laughs> but <laughs> it's, it's really cool, though. I honestly think that Badgie, I hope they come, uh, he comes back. Well, we do know <laughs> that if they are following, you know, similar writing patterns of 
past shows that McMahon has worked on, we do get those reoccurring characters. Although they did make it a point to not always bring back things that people expected. Yes. In various interviews, they said they didn't want to become a victim to fan service in their shows. In their shows. And I'm talking about Dave Harmon. Is it Dave Harmon that does Rick and Morty? The showrunner, the creator? Yes. Uh, and also Mike McMahon in various interviews have said the same thing, that they've always tried to stay away from repeating just because, hey, this character, Mr. Meeseeks, is so great. Let's not bring him back. You know, let's create new fun and zany characters. So at the same time, yes, Badgie would be kind of cool to see. But Mike McMahon doesn't really have the. I don't know. He doesn't really seem to be the type of guy that wants to continue. Wants to, to continue. It. Yeah. You don't want to fall into your own tropes. Yeah. You know, and I know there's some people out there, David, that doesn't want to hear this, but this episode was written pretty damn well. It was three stories again. And I know there's still the track uh, trolls out there just kind of shitting on lower decks because they hate on everything that Star Trek in this era whether it's good or not see dave we shitted on the first two episodes because they weren't that great they weren't that great but we are very objective we are fair star trek fans we are fair and all we want to do is celebrate star trek so if you give us something that we can sink our teeth in and enjoy we're going to be fair and i will say that this episode was written really well three stories again all started out as separate but came together by the end I felt like this episode was one of the first episodes that really felt like Mike McMahon's original pitch. If you remember, Dave, you and I had discussed a couple episodes ago that Lower Decks was originally conceived or the concept was. This is the crew, Lower Decks. They're the crew that you see while story A is happening. Story A, of course, being the immediate threat of the series, which in this, or I should say episode, which in this particular episode was uh, Druk Mani and his crew of scavengers yes. that were after the old Starfleet tech. So you have essentially that in any other Star Trek show, that would be story A. That's the story that everybody's watching, that the audience is privy to. And the things we aren't seeing are the crew members who aren't as important having a party in the midst yes. of... This entire ordeal, they're celebrating. Uh, yet people in the holodeck running through lessons. I, I love it because this episode really embodied the true pitch of this show. Of the show. Because, like, you definitely get that vibe. It was weird, too, for me because I was watching this. I'm going, this feels weird. And about midway through, I was like, going, this feels like I'm watching a TNG episode. For yeah. Because, like, you have, like, what you said. It was well story thought a, out. Right? Yeah. Meanwhile, the background's going on, and I love the fact that they absolutely played it to a T with the captain of the the Sorrento and the uh I can't pronounce the alien's uh name. It's Drugmani. Drugmani. And like she's like going, No, we have to figure this out diplomatically <laughs> every single time because we're the Federation. They're playing into that whole They're like, playing the into whole the whole thing, thing of like They're making it a joke while at the same time paying respect paying to respect what to Star Trek is really about. Yeah. And yeah. then like uh, after that you have that moment with uh, Rutherford and Tindy with with uh, Badgie, yeah. but then you have stories. I guess you could call it story C with Fletcher and uh, Mariner and Bo Boilimer. Yeah, 
Boy. 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 Boim. Boimler. Boimler. Yeah. You're the one who was saying it right last week. <laughs> now I can't. I know. I know. But like with those two, that was really cool. And it about midway through, I'm like, going, I'm watching an old episode of TNG of where it's like, hey, wait a minute. This reminds me of the Barkley episode. Well, it felt really thought out because you had the three stories that were separate eventually all come together come together it was a single narrative we just didn't realize what we were watching until the very end that all of it matters you had essentially i mean you had the the bridge crew taking things by the i don't jesus i lost my train of thought you have i'm getting confused with story a story b story <laughs> c. c you have the bridge crew essentially doing their thing and then to see how everything plays into each other by the end and how everyone's actions pays off in some way in the bigger story. I feel like this was a really good episode. It was well thought out. And I feel like the writer had an understanding of what he wanted to do. And you're right. It did feel like a mini star Trek, the next generation episode. These are exactly the same type of scenarios we've seen our crews go through countless times, except there's that heightened comedic aspect to the episode, a little slightly over the top moments. But even in terms of development, uh, you get the lower decks crew, you get a pretty good developing moments, uh, just simply pairing them up. And throwing them into crazy scenarios is doing wonders for their characterizations and their overall personal storylines. Yeah. Do you realize that Mariner and and Boimler, this is probably the first episode where we actually have some positivity happen to those two Mm -hmm. to make the relationship kind of grow where it goes into a more positive, uh, a positive storyline or story arc than in the past mariner is not just simply being toxic yeah mariner's yeah. not toxic and like i thought it was really cool see in the very end where they're like going yeah you know you're not that bad to work with and everything and you're getting to see that relationship organically grow yes you i i like i said just simply seeing them thrown into these crazy scenarios is helping us understand them a bit seeing what they're willing to do for each other when when under heightened situations, you have Rutherford willing to sacrifice himself to save Tindy. Yes. Mariner and, and Boimler working together to save the ship and also not throwing the douchebag Fletcher under the bus. bus. And Dave, the whole aspect, this is Starfleet. This is Starfleet. You're not acting like Starfleet. There is some chatter on social media, and I tend to agree. Is this Mike McMahon firing shots at his boss, Alex Kurtzman? This is the third time now that I felt a subtle meta moment where he is deliberately drawing parallels to the differences in Trek eras. You kind of, yeah, especially with this particular episode. There's a bit of a mocking there. This is Starfleet. This is Starfleet. You're not acting like Starfleet. Starfleet. <laughs> Even the aspect of Fletcher, who is a toxic piece of shit (laughs) they refuse to throw him under the bus because he is starfleet Starfleet. we are starfleet and as he's doing things mariner says you're not acting very starfleet (laughs) so a mike mcmahon is either mocking all of us or b 
he's taken jabs at Alex Kurtzman. And I would go with B, Dave, and tell me if you feel differently, because there have been various moments now that I have not mentioned because I don't want to get into controversial territory where I do feel like he is drawing a line in the sand in a way that his dumb boss, Kurtzman, probably doesn't even pick up on. I don't, yeah, especially with when you take a look at the character of how Fletcher's portrayed. Fletcher is the type of character that you would see in, let's just say, a Alex Kurtzman run Star Trek show. Well, it's not just that. Many people have complained about the Kurtzman era not feeling true to Trek Trek because of Trek values not being respected. And the fact that Mike McMahon now has done this two or three times throughout his very short run in Lower Decks where he stresses the importance of diplomacy, Starfleet, the fact that Captain Freeman would not shoot at the Drukmani garbage scowl, whatever that thing was, even as they're being killed and they're dying and they're launching these most childish attacks by just simply trying to goat them into firing on them. It feels like he's making an argument. He's making a stand as to what Star Trek truly represents. And that could be me just listening to social media, but I also picked up on it quite a bit during this episode. It felt like he was trying to not undermine what has come before. Look at his his representation of Klingons. This is canon, right? Yes. This is Kurtzman Star Trek, and yet the Klingons look like TNG Klingons. TNG Klingons. And not Kurtzman era Klingons that look like amphibian toads. Yeah. With ridges on their head. And that I'm glad that I'm not the only one that's noticed that. I just basically And maybe he's simply just having a good time. He's having a good laugh at and it. And maybe because he does seem to understand the Star Trek to some degree, maybe that's just coming through unintentionally. But it'll be interesting. And I'm mentioning it, even if it's not there, I want to mention it because I feel like you and I, Dave, moving forward, along with our listeners, let's keep our eyes peeled now. We have what? Five more episodes to go? Yeah, five. We have five more episodes. No, we have four, 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 four four more episodes to go. Let's pay attention and see if we notice anything else that we could say, Hey, look, he did it again. And then basically like it almost becomes kind of like these meta moments, a meta moment. Yes. And like, I think that that's his strength. I mean, look what he does on with Dan Harmon and and company and Rick and Morty. Mm They are masters of doing the meta moment. Oh, Oh yeah. So to be able to actually do that, this is something now I'm, I'm, I hate to say it because go back this, and rewatch Dave, go back and re- rewatch the first six episodes and you're probably going to pick up some moments probably. And, and maybe Dave, they're not there. Maybe there is no ill intention from Mike McMahon towards Kurtzman. Maybe it's just simply, Hey, this is what happens when you have an actual fan of star Trek, not someone who says, Hey, I'm a fan of star Trek. And I watched uh, just one season of one show. Maybe this is what happens. Maybe we just get a guy that it, it just feels more consistent and we are just noticing these moments because it is such a stark contrast from anything Kurtzman has given us in terms of Trek. 
yeah. and respecting what came before. You know, and regardless, I feel like there is a level of respect from, or I should say, of what came before. Of what came before. And possibly maybe that's what I'm seeing, Dave. Maybe that's the feelings I'm getting. Maybe it's simply the fact that Mike McMahon does not want to forget what came before. Oh, yeah. Because, like, for me, it's now, like, everyone started this series trying to find the Easter eggs. But the last couple of episodes, the Easter eggs have been, they have more substance to them. You know, they're, it's well, they're just not just not, simply Easter eggs. Anymore. Yeah, yeah, they're not just simply Easter eggs. He's actually giving a little, a little story nod to these mm-hmm. moments to actually make make sure it connects with Star Trek, not reminds us of Star Trek, but connects to Star Trek. Right. He's even building his own mythos. If you remember, I want to say during our very first discussion for episode one, one of the few things I asked for was just simply I wanted this show to be something unique and something that you can say and point to and say it's its own version of Trek and not just simply a an excuse to have some jokes and be essentially a Trek parody. But we're getting a bit of that mythos built for just this show. For just the show. Lower Decks isn't just simply making references to previous Trek shows any longer. Sure, they're still doing it, and they probably will continue to. They are doing some callbacks already to earlier episodes, building up their own mythos. I believe in episode three, it was revealed that the Cerritos has a four-shift rotation, and that Delta Shift was was the coolest in in an annoying way. In this week's episode, we finally meet the The Delta Delta Shift who appeared to be essentially cooler versions of the show's four main characters. <laughs> yeah. That's why I was like cracking up at their better versions. Yeah. Better versions of them. Not better versions. Yeah, better and cooler versions. They had literally, they were mirror versions. It's just cooler versions. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, that's why, that's why I really enjoyed because like now we're seeing more than just the four crew members where they're actually giving some basis to the Cerritos crew. They're building the show. They're building the show. They're, bu- they're building its own mythos, which is all we wanted. We wanted this to be able to stand on its own and say, hey, this is a viable piece of Trek. Yes, yeah. it's comedy, but at the end of the day, it is its own show. And not only not only are were they building the mythos of the Cerritos, but they were also building the universe around the Cerritos. I mean, I love the, when they say that Fletcher gets promoted to Titan. Yeah, that was good. And I'm like going, not even Titans never even brought up in, in today's Star Trek. This is the first time it's ever brought up. So like the was fact Titan that not mentioned in Picard. No, it wasn't. Yeah. Because like, if it was Mike, why isn't Riker yeah. on Titan? Yeah. Oh, he wasn't even on Titan. He wasn't in, even on Titan. Yeah, that's right. He was so, in some miscellaneous starship. Yeah, that was that, Photoshop. <laughs> Let's not think about it, Mike. Let's not think. But he showed up with Photoshop, <laughs> a Photoshop fleet. Photoshop okay, we're here, fleet. guys, and we're gonna do nothing. We're gonna let an old man who's ninety <laughs> um, talk down Romulans that have such deep-seated or deep-rooted hate that their entire culture was built on for centuries. And a 90-year-old man and a small child are going to be able to talk down this entire armada. As long as you promise 
that you will not attack us. So <laughs> farewell, farewell. <laughs> but like, never mind. We murdered people. Thank you for letting us walk. It's got free. Thank got you. Free. But see, this is why I say Lord Dex gets it better than than the show that shall not be named right now. Without a doubt, <laughs> the show is finding itself. Each episode is getting stronger and stronger, getting stronger and stronger. Yeah, and, and the teaser this week was so. Funny. I'm not gonna lie, Dave. I rewound it five times to rewatch that opening teaser when Boimler says he sometimes hums warp engine sounds <laughs> to soothe yes. himself. And then you show all four ensigns showing off how they could recreate the ambient warp engine sounds of the Cerritos along with Voyager and of course Enterprise Enterprise D. D. Dude, that was really funny. And then, like, the punchline for it was, like, the, uh, I forgot the character's name, the first officer, mm-hmm. basically calling it, calling it, calling security and saying, something is wrong with the crew. Yeah. <laughs> and then that moment just really, it characterizes the crew of the Cerritos perfectly. You know, you have this division in ranks where it's like the bridge crew don't care about the lower decks. And if they see them doing weird things, they think it's weird. And like you get to the point where you get introduced to the Delta crew and the Delta shift looks down at the lower decks crew. And it just helps characterize this, the crew of the Cerritos that how diver, diverse in a bad way that they are. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Dave, we do need to go to a very quick break. We are getting to that point. And then when we come back, let's jump into some Easter eggs. Do you mind pulling up an Easter egg list? I can. And we'll go through them and we'll do our usual thing. We'll decide, do we agree it's an Easter egg or is it a a shit attempt at um, clickbait? We'll be right back. Energize. All right, everyone, make sure you pledge to our Patreon page. You can get more Star Trek from the holodeck discussions every single month by subscribing. Head over to patreon.com slash Digital and pledge $5 or more a month and gain access to a plethora of Star Trek discussions, including our Star Trek pre-shows that we do. Pretty much before every single show, we do a secret discussion about various topics pertaining to Star Trek. So head over to patreon.com slash Digital and pledge. Free stuff is awesome, but free stuff that will spice up your bedroom is even better. Just go to adamandeve.com and select almost any one item for 50% off, and then we'll load on the free stuff. Just enter this very exclusive code, RAINMAN, at checkout, and you'll get 10 tantalizing free gifts, including a sexy item for him, a special toy for her, and a third item you'll both enjoy. And six extra special bonus items that are sure to rev your engine, pique your curiosity, Mm. and even blow you away. Plus... 
free shipping. Always sent in discreet packaging. Go to adamandeve.com now. Get 50% off plus the 10 free gifts when you enter the exclusive offer code RAINMAN. Again, that's RAINMAN. Because without it, no free stuff. That's RAINMAN at adamandeve.com. Commander Klingon Vessel. We are energizing transporter beam. Now. Transporter, stand by. All right, welcome back, everyone, to Star Trek from the Holodeck, the Lower Decks edition. Remember, you can find us on Stitcher and iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, just search from the Holodeck. Leave us reviews, give us thumbs up, talk to us. We want to hear from you, even if it's just to say, fuck off. We don't like you. I will gladly accept that. <laughs> All right, Dave, do you have that Easter? Yes, I do. I have this from uh, trekmovie.com. Trek All right, why don't you take us through that? All right, so we have the Easter egg list from trekmovie.com. It's titled, From Barkley to Clippy, Star Trek Lower Decks Easter Eggs and Terminal Provocation. Uh, the first Barclay one that they was have, referenced? Dude, did you not notice this? I didn't pick that up. You didn't? Okay. This is honestly my favorite moment in the series. You know, Badgie was awesome. Yeah, of the series right now. Because not uh, a bit hyperbolic there. Because the the Easter egg of this is called Not As Smart As Barkley. This episode introduced Ensign Fletcher, who creator Mike McMahon has said in Lower Decks, Mm He is the virgin, uh, vir, uh, virgin, the virgin, the virgin, the virgin, I'm a virgin too. He is the version of Reginald Barkley mm-hmm. for Lower Decks, an engineer from Star Trek Next Generation who, like Fletcher, has serious issues with lack of self-confidence. In Lower Decks, we saw Fletcher disastrously fail to make himself smarter by plugging his brain into a computer core. Oh, okay. In the TNG episode, Nth Degree, an alien probe enhanced Barkley's intelligence, and eventually he used the holodeck to integrate himself into the ship's computer to get even smarter. Okay, I do remember that. I just didn't yes. make that connection. Dude, when yeah. he when he plugged himself back, he plugged himself in, and he you have the helmet and the uh Fletcher's the cord. not really a version of Barkley, though. Fletcher was a D-bag. Barkley was never a D-bag. He was just a stuttering mess Dude. of anxiety and Low you, self-esteem. Did you and, forget like what his holodeck thing was? That's not douchey. That's perverse. <laughs> and let's be honest, Dave, all of us would do that. The first thing I would do with a holodeck would be computer police begin program to Paul seven, please. But think about it. Fletcher started off basically being everyone's favorite because like he's saying, oh, no, I can take care of this. I'll take care of this for you guys. You guys are awesome. You guys are my friends. What does Barkley do in the very first episode? He treats everyone as if he wants to be their friend, but he's so socially. He him, yeah. yeah, he's socially awkward. Barkley's all of us. Yes. Barkley literally is all of us. And like when you look at Fletcher, Fletcher is like a, a, a polar opposite of Barkley, but they're both like the same type of characteristics. Yeah. All right. So what else do we have in that list? Uh, we have, of course, Clippy's Revenge. Which is Tindy and Rutherford's storyline in this episode probably takes place in a malfunctioning holodeck. A trope of the TNG era shows starting in the first season of Star Trek with the big goodbye. Uh, the holographic adversary okay, is, goes are these, rogue. Are these parodies or Easter eggs? Because that would That's be a parody. The, it would be, do you think it would be a I parody? Think, I think if you're... 
it's a it's a parody. You're parodying a scene that we've seen before. I wouldn't really call that an Easter egg, would you? A part of me says it'd be an Easter egg just because of how badgy was. Hmm. The way badgy is, I think he's already getting confused of- with parody, continuity, and Easter eggs. I think they're just kind of lumping all of them together. I could see that. Did they re- literally refer? Did he reference Clippy? Yes, right. Mm-hmm. Because Clippy is the thing for Microsoft. Yes. See, even that wouldn't be an Easter egg. That would be a parody. Hmm. David, if you were to trip and fall right now, because you said, oh, I got to run to the bathroom, Mike. And then suddenly I recreate that. That's not an Easter egg. That would be me making a parody of you falling. Uh, You get what I'm saying? No, no, I do. Dude, we've already established what an Easter egg is. An Easter egg is if there's something in the background, possibly. Let's say there's a picture of Picard on the wall of someone's, you know. I, I don't want to get into this discussion. We've already had this discussion a yeah. hundred times. Just go through that list fairly quick. Fairly quick. Yeah. Okay. So the, there's about three more that they actually mentioned. One is the uh, spacewalk romance uh, because it's uh, recreating a romantic visual from Star Trek Voyager episode day of honor. When Tom and Bellana finally met their love and they're floating out in space. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, that might be like what you, you mentioned earlier. That's yeah. more of an homage. Yeah, a little bit of a parody. A yeah. parody. Right. Uh, they do Antares to Titan, which is the abandoned cargo ship from the registration NCC 502 had the same design as the Antares. I read that one, but that I, that's kind of a reach. That's just that's, that's adhering to the architecture of Trek at that time. That is true. Yeah. Yeah. And then the la- the last one is uh, the Titan reference when at the end of the episode, Fletcher is transferred to the USS Titan. Yeah. And again, I don't think that's an Easter egg. That's kind of That's establishing that there's a ship out there flying that we know exists. I just wouldn't call that an Easter egg. That's continuity. That's like calling holodecks an Easter egg because holodecks are on other ships as well. Oh, it's an Easter egg. Like, no, that's just establishing that holodecks exist in this time frame. <laughs> and that's all the that's Easter it? eggs. Yes. Jesus. That's they brought up in this article. What a bunch of losers. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Dave, let's get into our final thoughts. Give me your th- final thoughts as well as your RMD score. Okay. My final thoughts on this episode. It, this is. I said last episode was my favorite episode, but this episode's my favorite episode. No, you, said, now. you didn't say last episode was your favorite. No, my, you, my said last, the, the, you said the Ascension one. Oh, the Ascension one was yeah. my favorite. Yeah. But this one is now my favorite. It introduced Badgie. The Badgie stuff was just You're such an cool. attractor. This was my favorite now. This is my favorite now because the jokes landed perfectly in this one. Yeah. And like, I give a lot of props to Mike McMahon's the way he wrote the Trek joke for Fletcher, I appreciated that more when I came to realize I didn't know that this connection between Fletcher and Barkley was happening till my second go round with this episode. When I read that in an interview about this particular episode, Mike McMahon literally said the reason why he created Fletcher, this is his Reginald Barkley. And I was like going, Oh my God, when you see what Fletcher does, it's exactly what Barkley does. <laughs> and that whole episode of ninth, uh, the, the ninth uh, gate. Uh, I think it's the, I forgot what it's called. Now the uh, nth way is brilliantly done 
when you take a look at the the storyline C of Mariner and Boilermer and Fletcher, that's a ripoff of the Barkley episode that I actually really do like. It is one of my favorite TNG episodes of all of TNG. So with that said, obviously I've been gushing around it. I'm going to surprise everyone. This is the first lower decks I have written down here that gets a 90. Jeez. It gets a 90 because you got all the comedy writing done. You got all the, the Trek humor down all your, the, the, the story growth and the character progression of all your characters moved forward from last episode. Yeah. Mariner does not seem like a dick anymore. She actually is very, I think that she. Are you going to cry it? over there? That's so I was, good. I was joking. It's so good. So good. Thank you. Very much. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Look at Thank you, Mike McMahon. We're so easy. We like, are. We're, we're easy. Dude. We just want to be given something that feels like you fucking care. If the show, exactly. if it feels like the showrunner and the writers care, guess what? We're going to like it. If it feels like a fuck you and I don't give a fuck what you think, like Mike Shaban and Bacard, we're going to cry and, and, and hate you for it. Yeah. But when you give us something great or even just something adequate, not, not, not adequate, shitty. adequate, we, we are happy if we're happy about it because we're easy. We just want to enjoy things. Exactly. And this is the first time in a long time when I looked at a Star Trek episode and I said, you know, I'm fully enjoying this. I'm laughing out loud. And by the end of it, I'm going, I'm going, I want to watch this again. And this is the first Lower Decks episode that I actually wrote down in my notes. Yeah. I watched multiple, multiple times mm-hmm. just because I had a good laugh about it. Yeah. All right, Dave. I don't disagree. I think you and I are on the same page when it comes to this episode here. It is the strongest episode. The Ascension episode comes pretty close. But I believe I gave that episode an 85%. 85. I'm going to give this one an 89%. It's very strong. Solid episode. It was well written as well. So I feel like the holodecks, or I should say the lower decks writers, have found their groove. They know what they want to do. It was a little rocky at the beginning with the first two episodes, but they are slowly finding themselves and understanding what they want their show to be. You're telling three stories in parallel. With each other, they all come together at the end. It essentially feels like a comedic version of a TNG episode in many ways. This is what I wanted. I wanted to laugh. I wanted to like it because I enjoyed it, not like it because I feel like I need to like it because of Star Trek. And I will definitely say a large portion of my grade is coming from A, the multiple storylines that all merged, and then the opening teaser, which made me laugh so loud and I rewound it four times. I don't do that. The fact that, that it evoked that type of feeling, I'm like, I got to see this again. And I laughed just as hard the second and third time. That's, that's a positive. That's a positive. So I want to thank everyone for listening. This does bring us to the end of our discussions. Thank you, David. Thank you. Live long and prosper. I couldn't help but notice your pain. My pain? It runs deep. Share it with me. End simulation.